Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. I was born to uh, my parents, uh, Esmeralda Rodriguez and Philip Lopez in 1969, and right here in San Jose, California. In the beginning of my life, I, um, I had never seen my parents together. I didn't even know who my dad was for, you know, for many years. Um, you know, I was bounced from home to home. I was bounced around, uh, you know, my, my whole life. I didn't have a, a steady home. You know, when I was born, my, I was born addicted to heroin. Um, I was given to my grandmother, uh, Delfina. Rodriguez and you know my mom was already going to YA and stuff you know my my mother was a heroin addict for uh, over 35 years you know and my dad um, you know from the time I was born he was he was gone he was already in prison he was already going to YA by the time he was 12 years old he was strung out you know I mean he hit the you know doing his thing so you know so I never really felt like I you know who I belonged to. You know, I mean, I didn't have that that foundation of a you know an identity. You know, I knew I had family, you know, who loved me, but you know, I never really felt like I fit in there. And I started to recognize that I had to take care of myself at an early age. It wasn't you know when I was a teenager. I'm talking. I already knew by the time I was three years old, you know, that things were different. There was a lot of violence. There was a lot of no food. You know, by the time, you know, I was nine years old, you know, I was already, you know, having to steal food for me and my, you know, one of my baby sisters at that time. Um, you know, feed her, bathe her, you know, change her, you know, protect her, you know. Um, so at an early age, I was already knowing that I had to, I had to take care of myself and there was something different. I, I never felt like I, I, I had a chance to grow up and be who I can say who I was supposed to be, you know, from my mom and my stepdad and even my uncles, right? They were showing me a lifestyle that, that you know, demanded that you were a certain way. You couldn't feel certain things. You couldn't express your feelings. You had to suppress that fear or that sadness or that depression or whatever it may be, right? And the same thing with my dad. You know, I'm saying, you know, I got molded to believe it was my destiny. That's why I was born to do the things I was doing, to end up in prison, and to spend my rest of my life there or die out here. When I was uh, living right here off of Checker Drive. First thing I started to do was smoke weed with my my friend uh, Kevin and and Charles. And I used to run around with them. And we, you know, we started doing bill runs. I started to drink. And then when I started, uh, you know, running around with my dad, I started to do you know crank. Ended up going you know to the ranch. You know, I did a shooting when I was 13, and I am sending me to the ranch. And then you know, YA and then, you know, prison. You know, obviously after that. The biggest addiction I had was the excitement of um, the gang lifestyle, the excitement of, you know, selling the drugs and breaking into homes, doing home invasions. At a young age, we were doing all this stuff. You know what I mean? And I got more addicted to that than I did to anything else. I always question you know, when people were dying around me, why, you know, why not me? You know what I mean? And, and I look back now and I can see that even through all the stuff that I was doing, he had something for me to do. And he was keeping me alive, you know what I mean? Through all the car wrecks, the shootings, the, you know, the riots, everything that was happening. And all the drug use, everything. He had planned for me. There was a time where I didn't have my parents. I never had seen them together. I never even seen a picture of them together. And then 35 years later, you know, all of a sudden, 
you know, God is bringing these two people together. They get clean, they unite, and now I have parents. Now I know what it is to have a mom and a dad. He's given me a wife. He's given me five children. He's given me 16 grandchildren. They call me dad. I get to love them. And through them, I, I learned how to be a man, how to be responsible, how to love. God opened the doors for, for me to be able to start an organization called you know, New Hope for Youth. And I never thought I could have a job. I never thought I could do anything. But now I have a, a company. We have 30 plus employees. You know, me and my wife run it. I'm sitting in front of these judges and, you know, I'm sitting, I'm going to the, to the mayor's office. I'm talking to the gang task force who used to want to lock me up. These people are calling us now and we're sitting in meetings with them, helping build policies. And he used all those life experiences. He's using it until this moment to help families, to help young men and women that are going through the same things that I went through. And it's, it's really a blessing and an honor to be able to do it. Amen. My name is Philip Rodriguez, and I am undisputed. Such a powerful story. Um, and I know you didn't even share all the details of uh, really what you went through. Uh, kind of talk to me a bit about what your lowest point was. I think my, uh, my lowest point, is it on? I thought it was. Oh man, he set me up. Set you up, man. <laughs> set me up. But I, my lowest point, I remember uh, I was out, I had, just, I had been out for a little while and uh, I had this van and I was sitting in this van. I had called, me and Annette had been separated for like about four and a half years. And uh, I called her up. She was already serving God. I didn't, you know, and she started talking to me about God. And I started to curse God. Come on, come on, come on. So at that moment, I knew that. That things had got pretty bad. You know, I was, I was running the streets. I was, I had, uh, I was alone, totally alone. You know what I mean? And uh, not even the homeboys that I had were around no more. You know what I mean? And so I was just out there just waiting to die, to be honest. You know, and uh, I, that, that was kind of my lowest point right there. So you, you, you didn't have the homeboys to call on? You didn't know you were kind of just in a, in a tough situation at that, that point? Yeah, I was. It, it was, uh, you know, it was pretty bad. You know what I mean? I had uh, a lot of different things going on. I'm not going to get into details, but, you know, I had, uh, you know, I had a lot of people coming at me, and I was coming back at them, and I was just waiting to die, to be honest. You know what I mean? And at that point, I really didn't care. You know what I mean? It was... It was, I was, it was just what it was. And so that's, that was my lowest point. Let, let, let me ask you this. How many years were you locked up? How many years were you incarcerated? I started going to, uh, to juvenile hall when I was nine years old. Wow. I got busted for armed robbery, wow. possession of a firearm. Me and my little, my little friend Kevin and Charles robbed some dudes. And uh, they were older than me. These guys are older than me. They were already like 17 years old. You know what I mean? And, uh, they, you know, I, I spent... In and out my whole life until I was in my late 30s. Wow, so. wow. Your late 30s before you actually experience freedom. Yes. At what point do you call upon on the Lord? When, when do you reach out to God through this? I mean, to be honest, uh, I, I didn't want to serve God. I, didn't, I wasn't looking, for, I'm going to be honest, I didn't, wasn't looking for God. But I met this man. I was, I was coming in this parking lot, and uh, he came up to me and said, God told me to give you my phone number. And he made me put it in my wallet. And a couple months later, I called that number. Wow. And I went to his house. Wow. And it turned out to be a man's home, right? And uh, 
you know, I was getting ready to leave. He says, let us pray for you. And so they got around me, and they prayed for me. They put their hands out. They touched yeah. me. And in that moment, my whole life changed. Wow. Wow. Phil, you, you shouldn't be alive. Based on statistics, you should be six feet under right now. Um, how did you overcome and not become a statistic that you're sitting here changing lives today? How does that happen? I ask myself that every day. <laughs> and it's God. It's God. God had a purpose for me. Even... Even when I was doing the things that I was doing out there, I know that God kept me alive for this moment in time. You know Amen. what I mean? Amen. Amen. Let, let, let me ask you one final question. What is it you kind of, kind of shared quickly on New Hope for you? What is it that you do now? So, I mean, we started off with just me. Um, and then it turned into me and Annette. Now, like I said, we have 30-plus employees. And we're out and throughout the whole city of San Jose, in South County, Gilroy, South, San Martin, uh, you know, Morgan Hill. And we're doing, man, we do a lot of different stuff with these youth. You know, we're going into their homes, into the jails. We're, you know, trying to mentor them and, you know, tell, you know, show them love, right? Everything that I didn't get, everything that the people wow, that, we, that we work with, give them God's love is the number one thing. Wow. Philip, I, I just got to tell you, thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank you for uh, taking what was a struggle in your life and now turning it into a blessing for everyone else. And I pray you continue to reach other Phillips that are out there as well, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Here you go, bro. Come on, give it up for Brother Philip this morning. Yeah, if you would stand to your feet, I, I just want to say this, you know, um, as we, we looked at the story, we really didn't get into a lot of the detail of what he came out of. I think if you really knew what he was into, the things he came out of, I think some of you right now would be doing backflips on how good God is in this moment. But, but there are things that you just, we just didn't want to bring uh, to public in, in this aspect. But God transformed this man's life. And I, I need you to understand that when we talk about transformation, if God could do it for Philip, yes. come, on. come on, say it again, Pastor. If God can do it for Philip, I don't care where you're at in your life. I don't care how strung out you may feel. I don't care how far away from God you may feel. I don't care how bad things may be in your life in this moment. That when God shows up and you have a God encounter, whether it's people praying for you in a circle or whether you have a, a, a Damascus Road experience, when you have an encounter with God, it will change you. Oh, come on. Somebody say amen. If you have your Bibles, turn your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 12. I'm, I'm not going to be long, but I, I am going to be hopefully on point with this. Romans chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 2. And I want to give a word to you to challenge you right now. That many of us are, are conforming to our surroundings rather than transforming our surroundings. We're becoming like uh, the world rather than transforming the world. And, and, and in the book of Romans... Uh, you have Paul writing to a church in Rome, and Rome was an epicenter. Rome was the Paris. Rome was the San Francisco. Rome was the New York of their time. When, whenever trends came out, it was from Rome that these things came from. And so the latest trends, the latest uh, philosophies, latest ideas and technologies all came from Rome. But the problem was the church began to look more like the world than the world began to look like the church. The church started taking on Roman culture. The church started acting like Rome rather than transforming the Romans. So Paul writes these words and he says this in verse 2. Do not copy. Everyone shout copy. copy. Do not copy the behavior or the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you dress. By changing the church you go to. By changing the job that you have. But what's it say? By changing the way 
you think. Yeah, I cannot change your existence until I change your mentality. We can keep on putting you into a new culture, a new environment, but until we change our thinking, we will never transform our living. He goes on and says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. You know, God wants a good, pleasing, and perfect life for you. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help. In Jesus' name, everyone says, amen. Amen. You may be seated. As you're seated, I want to read a a, a different version. I think this is the, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the NIV. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Everyone say transformed. By the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, every, now everyone say conform. conform. That, that word conform means to take the shape of. And many of us right now, we take the shape of the environment that you're in. You get around your family and your cousins, and you start acting a certain way. You get around your coworkers at work, you start acting a certain way. You're, you're a one person at work, you're a different person with the family, and then you're a totally different person when you come to church. You say hallelujah and praise Jesus to begin and end your sentences, but then when you hang out with the people at work, it's a, it's a curse word, it's an it's a, a F-bomb at the end, and so we, depending on where we're at determines on how we respond. But Paul recognized this with the church and he says, don't be conformed. Don't take on the pattern. Don't take on this word means to, to literally be squeezed into a mold that we are pressured by, by our peers, pressured by society, pressured by the media to take on a certain look. And so it means that when pressure comes on us in life, We have a problem financially. You have a problem relationally. It begins to conform you to take the shape of the problem that you're going through. Someone got to hear me this morning. So to conform, to form, to mold or pattern after. Then he says, I don't want you to take the shape of, I want you to be transformed. Everyone say transformed. That, That word in the Greek is this. It's two words that come together. Morpho and the other one is meta. Meta means to change. Morpho means to literally give, uh, take on the shape or the form of. So when we talk about being transformed, it's the same. That, that's where we get the Greek word uh, metamorphosis is where we are. The, the Greek word meta, or the English word metamorphosis comes from this Greek word transformation. And that's literally the transformation of a, a caterpillar into a butterfly. It's not just a change of character, it's a change of nature. Come on, pastor, say it again. You're you're, you're not hearing me. God doesn't just want to restore you. He doesn't want to take an old you and create a new version of an old you. God wants to take you and totally transform the way you think, the way you walk, the way you carry yourself. The caterpillar crawls around and just holds on, but a butterfly soars above all those things. But you will never experience a transformation until you go through that metamorphosis. There has to be a change. It literally means to change the form or the nature of something. And so it's not an old, uh, an improved version of an old you. It's a brand new you. How many know that we, we got to stop putting duct tape on you? We, we got to stop trying to repaint the old you. I don't care about how many times you change your hair, how many times you change your makeup, how many they they change the color palette that they use on you. If you don't change this, this will never transform. See, the word of God is all about transformation. That's what the Bible's all about. Throughout the word of God, you see transformation. The key, Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah, Jacob to Israel, Simon to Peter, Saul to Paul. The whole word of God is all about transformation. You see, the the point of coming into contact with God isn't to improve your life, it's to change it. You're not, you're not grabbing it. You see, we don't want change. 
We want to get rid of the guilt. But we don't want to change who we are. We don't want, we want just enough of God to make us stop feeling guilty. But not enough of God to transform and make us love someone who is ain't mean to us. Or to forgive someone that hurt us. Or to, to give to someone that, that is taken from us. See, we want just enough of God to get through life, to improve life, but not to change life. But Jesus didn't come to improve your life. He came to change it. Oh, come on. Somebody say amen. Transformation runs through the word of God. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, he says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ is a? Not a restored. Not new paint job. Not, not new upholstery. Literally, a new person. Never existed before. So if you want to get rid of the old habits, you want to get rid of the old mindset, you want to get rid of the poverty idea, you got to allow God to come in and take the word of God and have the word of God start brainwashing you. Man, don't go to that church. They're just trying to brainwash you. Hell yeah, we're trying to brainwash you because your thinking stinks. Your thinking's jacked up. You've allowed the world to brainwash you, and it's time to allow the Word of God to start transforming you, start renewing your mind, and start getting rid of that junk that's in your mind. Man, we could sit there and watch an hour of entertainment, what we call entertainment on TV, with F-bombs and sexual innuendos taking place, and it feels natural. doesn't even disrupt our spirit anymore. Like you drive down the street and you see someone getting beat up or being ripped off and we hear the news about another drive-by shooting. We see kids that are dying. And, and we, you know, we, we were talking, Philip and I, before services. It's like, it's not the kids that he saved that has really impacted him. It's the ones they've lost. We read it in the news or hear it on the news. And for us, it's just, okay, another person's died. When are we going to be moved by the condition of our world? Transformation isn't about just me getting to heaven. Transformation is about me taking as many people with me to heaven as possible. See... Listen carefully before we close. Religious behavior can make you nice. But only Christ can make you new. You, you can be nice all you want. Man, he's so different. He's so nice now. But unless Christ has come into your heart, hell is still your destination. You see, Jesus didn't come to make our lives better. He came to make us brand new. See, I need you to understand, heaven isn't for perfect people. There's going to be a lot of jacked up people in heaven. Because if I'm there, it's not perfect anymore. Somebody like, well, I hope you don't make it, Pastor Dan. <laughs> the reality is, heaven's not for perfect people. It's for forgiven people. It's a place where God, by his blood, has transformed us and washed us and made us new. You see, Moses got to run into a burning bush, and many of us are like, man, if I would have had that burning bush experience, it would totally transform me. But we get something Moses never had. We don't have a bush burning in front of us. We have the Holy Ghost burning inside of us. We have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead that dwells inside of you. Wherever you go, you have the ability to tell the sea to part, a mountain to move, for sickness to be healed. You carry that same spirit inside of you. So let, let me ask you a question. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, shouldn't we live at a higher level? Why are we still in bondage? If, if Randolph comes up to me and tells me, man, I got a special gift. I, I, got, I got the spirit of MJ, not, not Michael Jackson. 
I got the spirit of, of uh, Michael Jordan in me. I don't know, I was sleeping one night and Michael showed up and he breathed on me and now I got his spirit on me. So when we get to the basketball court, I'm going to expect him, if MJ's spirit is in him, that he's going to be able to play. I'm going to expect a little more. And yet we walk around and we say we have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And he gets on the court and he can't dribble. He can't shoot. He's throwing away the ball all the time. I, halfway through the game, I'm going to start thinking, mm, maybe it was Michael Jackson that showed up and breathed on you. Maybe you could dance and sing, but you sure can't play ball. Hello. Are, are you following me? And yet we say that we serve a God that empowers us, but we're living defeated lives. The purpose of a God encounter has always been transformation. Not to make you feel better. Not to get you through your dysfunction. Many people don't want change. They want comfort. God, comfort me in my dysfunction. Don't change me. Just comfort me through this, through this discomfort. But as I look through the word, whether we're talking Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, Jeremiah, Isaiah, every one of them had a God encounter that totally transformed their lives. Why do you come to church? You know, everything we do every Sunday is to try to create an atmosphere of encounter. And yet we walk in late to worship. We're not engaged during prayer. That while the word's going on, we're on our phones checking social media or scores. The whole idea of this is him. Encounter. We're trying to create a place of encounter. And see, the word of God from, the, from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation is about flawed men encountering a flawless God. So I, I want to share with you very quickly a, a story about an individual. You see, we all need a rock bottom moment. What I call a come to Jesus moment. You ever had a come to Jesus moment? You're, you're just so, you're flat on your back and you have nowhere to turn. You can't, you can't even go any farther down. You are, you're, you're done. You have nowhere else to call upon and then you finally decide to try God. The, the marriage is on the rocks. The kids are, are falling apart. The finances are gone. You're beginning to drink a little more. You're finding yourself taking drugs to go to sleep and drugs to wake up in the morning. You find yourself oh, so overwhelmed that you're, you feel panic attacks. You start sweating when you're in traffic and your heart starts beating more and more. See, we don't change until the pain of staying the same is greater. We need a transformation. I want you to turn your Bibles with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 9. And I want to talk to you very quickly about Saul. Saul is a man that ends up, we know him as Paul. But he was initially called Saul. He was a murderer of the church. He was so passionate for God through his lenses that he was killing Christians. I need you to understand that you could be sincere in what you're doing, but still be sincerely wrong. Paul was doing everything he could to what he felt promoting his God. But in the process, he was hurting his God's causes. And so God shows up. He's ready to go kill some more Christians. And in Acts chapter 9, verse 3, the Bible says, And as he neared Damascus on his journey, let me tell you, when you're getting close to your journey, when you're getting close to that point, when you're on your way, when you're moving, I need you to understand, God always finds someone that's busy. If, if Saul was just chilling at home watching TV, wasn't doing a thing, I don't think God encounters him. And some of you are just sitting around waiting for a God encounter, but God's not going to show up when all you have is Netflix on. Open the word. 
as he's writing, the Bible says this, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground. Everyone say fell. I'm convinced of this. We will never change until we go through a fall. We will never change until, it's not until your wife's about to leave you. It's not until about the kids are about to end up in rehab. It's not until you're about to go into bankruptcy. It's not until you find yourself where the doctor says, until you stop drinking, until you stop smoking, you're going to have a heart attack. You got diabetes. You got, we don't make changes until it's too late. He fell. Everyone say fell. That Hebrew or the Greek word means to fall down, to fall in ruins, to be ruined. It's not an intentional fall. It's a fall that all your direction in life just brings to you and all of a sudden, boom, you're there. I don't know about you, but I've been there. I've been in those broken moments. He falls down and as he falls, and I, I need you to understand that some falls are necessary. Bible says he fell to, not the sky, he fell to. When you come back to earth, you start realizing the consequences and the choices that you're making. We all have to come back to earth at one point or another. It's when you're sitting in that jail cell, when you're sitting in that courtroom, when you're sitting in that, in that, that uh, you know, maybe even mediation for, for your uh, bankruptcy proceedings or whatever, or sitting in the doctor waiting room as you're going over your heart issues or your diabetes or the cancer. It's not until those moments that we really call upon God because we need help. Paul gets knocked down and God shows up. You see, I, I want you to understand this. When God shows up, you can't stand up. Now, now, he's on his way to kill Christians, the apostles. God shows up and he gets knocked down. Whenever God shows up, we fall down. Whenever God shows up, we can't stand. Don't ever tell me that the presence of God has shown up in our church and people are still standing in their feet because when the presence of God really shows up, we won't be able to stand. We won't be able to minister. We won't be able to sing. We won't be able to clap. You won't be able to shout. All you'll do is fall on your face. We need that kind of God encounter. We need God to show up in church. I guarantee you this. If God showed up in church like he should, most of us would be scared to death to show back up to church. Because we've gotten comfortable with service. But we're afraid of his presence. We're okay with the service. But what if God's power truly showed up this morning? He fell to earth. You see, don't tell me if you had an encounter with God. Yeah, pastor, I have people that tell me all the time, I got, had God show up and God spoke to me. But you still don't forgive. You still hate. Still carry bitterness. You still gossip. You still talk about people. You still put people down. You still, you still have anger issues, bitterness issues. When God shows up in your life, there's a change. You can see the change in someone's life. Philip's sitting here and he's watching the story. He turns around and this guy that was able to do things to people without any regret can't even watch his story without being teared up and moved. What's the difference? God. You only get a God encounter for a purpose. God doesn't give you an encounter just to stay the same. After Moses, Moses went to deliver the children of Israel. After Isaiah, Isaiah prophesied to the nation. We want a God encounter, but we're not planning on doing anything with it. We just want to tell someone, oh man, God showed up to me last night. I had an encounter with God, but you still hate people. Second thing he did is he heard. Everyone said he heard. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, faith cometh by and hearing by the the word of God. You see, 
What we hear is so important. I'm going to close right now. So Omaha, if you would help me. Saul hears an intelligible voice. Everyone say voice. voice. Everyone else heard a noise. They were riding with him, and they heard a noise. Stop asking unspiritual people to decipher what God has spoken to you. You want people to interpret what God spoke, and all they heard was a noise. They don't have a clue. You're asking your mom and dad who don't serve God for direction in your spiritual life. You're asking that uncle that has all these philosophies and, 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 and feathers and, and, and dream catchers and pentagrams and all this stuff to answer what God is saying in your life. You cannot go to the spiritually dead and ask them to give you direction for what God is going to do in your life. I need someone spiritual. I need someone that knows God. I need someone that's heard God. I need someone that knows the presence of God. Don't tell me how to follow God if you haven't followed him. Saul heard an intelligible voice. Everyone else heard a noise. We're so busy after that happens. Hey, hey, what, what do you think? Let me get on social media. God just shared this with me. What, what, what do you guys think? You want to kill what God spoke to you? Social media is one of the worst things to ever happen to faith. Because before we go to God, we go to social media. We want people to feel sorry for us rather than being transformed. I know what most of you are going through just by what you post. Come on. And what do we do? We always look for something that backs up what I'm going through. Makes me look good and the other person look bad. Some of the best social media posts that I've ever posted have been the ones I deleted. You argue with someone, and you're trying to defend your position. So what do you do? Go to the book of Proverbs. Don't argue with the fool. You want to put that on? I'll show you. You know what you're doing. He fell to the ground, and what only made sense to him, he doesn't ask the people. You can't go to the spiritually dead people to decipher the voice of God. And yet we're listening to music that's indoctrinating us, to the news that's indoctrinating us, people, to haters, to society, to doubters, to the media, even ourselves, the negative voices in our own mind. What does God say? Listen carefully. Tune in this morning. What's God say about your marriage? What's God say about your sobriety? What's God say about your success? What's God say about your future? What does God say? I don't need other people's opinions. I need God. Because if God's the one that has plans for me, I need to know God's plans in order to walk out the purpose. I know some of your plans for me. Your plans are for destruction. Your plans are to hate. Your plans are to tear down. Your plans are to be able to say, well, there's another one bites the dust. But I know that my God has plans for me, says the Lord. Plans to bless me. Plans not to harm me. Plans for a future and a hope. It's time to start listening to what God is saying over your life. Tune into the word. Everyone say he heard. He heard. Lastly, he obeyed. See, many of us want direction without submission. God, God, tell me where to go. Tell me what to do. 
but you're not listening to him. God tells Saul, get up in your blinded state and go to the city. And then wait there for three days. Because I'm going to have someone come pray for you. Now, God had to rely on the response of another individual to do that. You see, you're part of someone else's miracle. You're part of someone else's transformation. And when God speaks to you and says, hey, call that person, text that person, reach out to that individual, pray for that person, you're like, oh, no, that's just me. That, I know God's not telling me to do that. Listen, it, most of the time, it's not you telling yourself to do that. When, God, when someone's telling you or you feel a, a pulling to do something good for someone else, number one, it sure ain't Satan. Satan's never going to tell you to call someone and encourage them. Secondly, it's probably not you because you're probably overwhelmed with your own stuff and the last thing you're thinking about is helping someone else out. You're just trying to get by. But when God tells you to do something for someone else, I want to challenge each and every one of you in here. Be obedient to the voice of God because if Ananias never goes and prays for Saul, we'll never have Paul. We'll never have 13 books of the New Testament. We'll never have churches planted. But one man that we never hear about before obeys God. And now we see the whole landscape of Christianity transformed because of one man's yes. Can you say yes today? Are you willing to be broken? Are you willing today to hear his voice? And are you willing today to obey? have you stand to your feet let me say this as we close this morning I am tired of business as usual I've heard so many people complain about COVID I'm grateful for COVID what are you talking about? I'm not grateful people died. But I think COVID brought a reality and a realization to us that we're not going to live forever. That there is an expiration date to our lives. Young, old, it doesn't matter. Death will touch us all. We're all going to pass away someday. How we live will determine where we spend eternity. You're so focused in on enjoying your life that you're missing out on what eternity is going to have to offer. Every decision you make today prepares you for eternity. L listen to me, fam. There's a place called heaven. It's real. It's not a fairy tale for those of you just peeking in. But there's also a place called hell. Well, the Bible says the worm dieth not. And the choices you make today determine where you're going to spend eternity. Now, I've heard it said, if I'm wrong and we die and we just become, we, we just disappear, I've lost nothing. Because I've lived a good life. I've tried to treat my fellow man and, and to treat them the way I want to be treated. I have did my best to love my wife, to raise my kids in a godly way. So if I die in what I believed in was wrong, I didn't lose anything. You believe in karma. I've been putting good karma out there. It's actually called sowing and reaping, but they want to call it karma, whatever. Whatever floats your boat. You can look at a crystal and pray to it. I pray to the one that created the crystals. But if you die and you didn't serve God, 
and you're standing before the throne of grace someday. And God puts on the screen everything that we did in life and shows the opportunities where you're at right now to make peace with God and to receive him as Lord and Savior, to change your life, to have a transformation. We don't have the light shining, getting knocked down off our horses of life. Why? Because now we have the Holy Spirit that draws us. I don't need a light knocking me down. I have the Holy Spirit of God saying, come, I love you. Come, all thee that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Are you tired? Bow your heads this morning. Father, I pray for every person in this place right now. You come to church, but somewhere along the way, you've missed out on what it means to really have a relationship with God. I'm going to count to three and have you lift your hand in the air. I want to pray with you. If you're here right now, I would say, Pastor Dan, I want to restore my walk with God. I want to get close to God. I want God to live in me. I want the presence of God to be with me. I want to live life at a higher level. I'm tired of living a mediocre life. If that's you, on the count of three, I'm going to have you lift your hands in the air. Ready? One. The Bible says it's appointed for man to die once. Then comes judgment. We're all going to die. Two. Search your heart right now. Why run from God when all he's going to do is love you when he catches you? As I say this final number, left to right, front to back, I want you just to make that commitment to the Lord. Ready? One, two, three. Lift your hands right where you're at. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. There in the back. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Higher levels. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Secondly, you're here right now and you're ready for a transformation. You want God to transform your life. You're tired of just going through the motions. You want to put things into motion. If that's you, would you raise your hands right now and say, God, I, I, want, I want to change. I want to change. I, I don't want to just go to church. I want to be the church. I want to carry the God with me wherever I go. Yes, I see those hands. I'm going to have you do me a favor. Every one of you that lifted your hands on any of the calls, just step out of your seat and come meet me here at this altar. And I'm going to have you also bring your communion elements with you as you come. Yeah, that's right. Go ahead and give them a round of applause as they come this morning. For those of you at home, we're taking communion this morning. So if you don't have the items for communion, go ahead and get those things ready because we're going to close here with communion. As, as you're coming to the altar right now, I know more hands went up than that. I want to encourage you. Learn, you don't get transformation staying where you're at. You don't get encounter not moving. You got to step out sometimes. So I want to ask the person to your left or right, say, if you want to go up to the altar, I'll go up with you. Just ask them. It might help someone to, to make that, that decision to, to take that step forward this morning. Amen. God bless you as you come. Come on, give them a round of applause as they make their way up this morning. Amen. I want you to do me a favor. Take, if you don't take the elements for communion, the bread first. Why did we say the salvation prayer first? Is because we want to make sure that we're right before God before we take communion. The Bible says some of us have gotten sick and died even early because we took communion unworthily. And so that's why we make sure we get our lives right with God first before we take communion. If we have a, a problem with someone, forgive them before you take communion. You have a disagreement with someone, you're holding on to bitterness, forgive them before we take communion. Because if God forgave us, we have to forgive others. So I want you to just take the bread and as you get ready to take the bread, I want you to recognize the body of Jesus was broken so that your body could be made whole. Take the bread this morning. Father, we thank you this morning for your goodness. Lord, I thank you this morning for the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross of Calvary. I could have transformation, God, because you transformed yourself from the Son of God into a human being. You took a lower form on so that we could take on a higher form. Lord, you became us so that we could become you. And so this morning, I'm grateful, God, that your blood made that all possible. As we take the cup this morning, take it by faith and recognize in and of ourselves, we can't do it. We don't have the ability to stay pure before God. 
That's what the blood of Jesus does. It forgives you, makes you clean, and gives you a fresh start. Take the cup this morning. Father, we bless your name. We worship you this morning. Come on, just where you are for a moment. Let's encounter God. Just right where you are. Father, we just thank you. We worship you. Lord, I thank you right now for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. I thank you that you love me enough, my God, to become me. You became the messed up me. You became the tore up me. You became the jacked up me, God, so that I can become the resurrected Christ. Lord, I thank you, my God, for your forgiveness. Lord, I pray for every person here right now, my God, that we wouldn't just go through the motions. But God, we want a God encounter. We want an encounter with God that would literally transform who we are. That would literally shift our future. That would transform our generations. That would move upon our families. That, Lord God, that would break every chain. And that would set us free. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that your grace would cover each and every one of us this morning. We decree it now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I just want to pray for you real quick, okay? So I know God has a great call on your life. I know that there's a plan that God has for your life as well. And I know you love God. And I know God has a great thing in store for you as well. And so I want you just, if you would, just stretch your hands towards. We're just going to pray over him. We're just going to come believe right now that God would start that process in his life. So, Father, right now, we thank you for Julian this morning. Lord, I thank you, my God, for what you want to do in his life. And I thank you, Father, for the plans that you have for him as well. Lord, I ask right now, God, that even now his ears would be open to your whispers. Let him hear your voice, my God. Lord, I pray even as he rests at night that, Father, your spirit would visit him. Give him dreams, my God, like Joseph. Visit him as the younger brother of his siblings. Lord, visit him. Give him dreams, my God. Give him strategies. Give him plans of what you're going to do in his life. Let him experience your glory. Lord, I pray right now that even though he doesn't understand it totally right now in this moment, that he would understand your presence. Let him become familiar with your presence, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.